If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Red Sox Beat is back on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and visual content. Episode 259, Rich Gedman's career Red Sox batting average in his 11 seasons in a Boston uniform. Fourth in Red Sox history and games caught. Uh, let's see, we have Fisk, Ferratech, and Sammy Walton. Yeah, you knew Sammy Walton, right? I didn't. I had to look it up. 259. Also, the postseason ERA for David Price in 2018, culminating in L.A., where I think he now plays, if he plays, if there's baseball, which leads us into the body of podcast number 259. Josh Lewin with you, channeling my inner Peter Griffin. Time for another episode of What Grinds My Gears. Thanks, Diane. Uh, Just like that, unless Major League Baseball comes back with a proposal that pays the players the full pro rata, Without fans in the stands, 10 weeks of negotiations are just over. No expanded postseason, no cooperation, and uh, maybe a lot of players who just decide to sit out the season and rejoin things for spring training of 2021 to get ready for a strike. And that's what grinds my gears, Diane. Uh, Seriously, let me see if I have this right. At a time when baseball fans are aging and the sport is struggling to keep up in American sports culture, the solution from the owners is to push for less baseball grow the product by playing as little baseball as possible we need to make money right now and not down the road so if we could we'd play a one game regular season because those games this year won't be profitable and we'd like to play a 30 game postseason because the playoffs on tv are profitable is that good for the sport no so good for their own bottom line sure cardinals chairman bill dewitt jr actually told the st louis radio station last week that baseball isn't very profitable to be quite honest, was the rejoinder there. He bought that team for $150 million in 1995. It is now worth $2.2 billion, but that's not profitable, apparently. TBS just paid a billion dollars for one postseason series. There are six other postseason series besides that one. Baseball isn't profitable. Turns out the, the best interests of baseball and the best interests of the owners are not perfectly aligned Venn diagrams here. Looks like the circles don't even touch. Unless there is a drastic change in the relationship between the league and the union, uh, baseball is going to spend at least the next two years just stuck in this endless loop of fighting and ugliness and pettiness. I mean, We're in the middle of a pandemic with no end in sight. There's unemployment reaching Depression-era levels. The country's finally kind of coming to terms here with Uh, what they're going to do about racial injustice, which really is a thing. All that's going on, and baseball's fighting over money. 
at least we have our good friends at Bet Online because sports are slowly making it their way back. We've got the UFC, NASCAR, soccer, of course. Bet Online has been doing a lot of cool stuff. We invite you to check it out. Go to find the hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business, always at visitbetonline.ag. Use your mobile device. Join now. Get your uh, new welcome bonus and start doing what you do, playing around at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and we're proud to have them as part of all this. Hey, one more thing to tell you, too, before we get rolling, and uh, I've been remiss about uh, the whole Awaken 180 thing because we all have to lose some weight, right? D during the pandemic, we're all getting a little chunky. Th the results are normally the same no matter what you do, whether you exercise or, or not, but with Awaken 180, You get a customized nutrition plan. That's the key. The weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is huge. The option to receive 80% of your daily foods to help you lose weight your first week and each week after until you're down to where you want to be. It's worked for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zolak, Kyle Draper, on and on. I'd say maybe it's your turn now. Call the Long-Term Solution for Weight Loss, the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox, for example, Awaken 180 Weight Loss. You can check them out online at awaken180weightloss.com. Com. So here's what we're doing on podcast number 259. We've got John Heyman joining in. You know him from MLB Network. He's all over Twitter, uh, one of the really plugged-in guys, and we'll talk some big-picture stuff with John, a little bit of Red Sox stuff, but mostly big-picture stuff. I've got some thoughts on the Red Sox draft. Should we do that now? Maybe we should do that now just to kind of uh, spackle over all this other stuff that we got to talk about. You know, I'm recording this on a Monday. The owner's conference call is today. And unless they decide to be the adult in the room, which is unlikely, they will indeed burn the art to save the museum, so to speak, because uh, Rob Manfred can impose whatever he wants. Most think that's going to be a 54-game season now because follow the math here. You got three 10-team pods with everyone playing three home games, three road games against everyone in that pod. So you got basically nine opponents. You play them six times total. Nine times six is 54. But as we said, if it were up to the owners, they'd play as few regular season games as possible because you can't monetize those. The owners really don't want the playoffs to extend into November. That's one thing that we need to be cognizant of and, and actually understand a little bit. One reason, of course, is there's the experts that forecast a surge in COVID-19 cases when the weather starts getting cooler and all that. So The postseason is not guaranteed at that point. But there's another unspoken reason. Uh, you know, so much attention is going to be on November 3rd, this little presidential election. I think games will be an afterthought. Baseball would run the risk of games being played in cities where, who knows, violence could break out after the election, depending on what's going on. And so, uh, you know, whatever gets discussed, I think one thing we need to just point out, there have not been actual discussions between the players and the owners here. A discussion necessitates conversation and the leaders really don't converse with each other they're, they're not even in the same zip code i mean geographically they're, they're in different time zones and this was never a negotiation a negotiation is back and forth with actual responses they're just talking past each other here it's like the, the other party doesn't exist and you know if you ask me if you pin me down to it which side are you on You know, the, the players are a little odious here, the way they're conducting themselves, but I'm sorry, this is on the owners. Are they really suffering here? You, you consider the teams bought in this decade. Ten years ago, I was there when the Rangers were bought for $593 million. Forbes estimates their, their value today is at $1.8 billion. 
Astros sold nine years ago for $615 million. They're worth $1.85 billion. So, you know, it's this whole Crimea River thing. I'm sorry. I just really can't get into it here. Uh, one thing that I do want to get into is the draft because the Red Sox had one. It was a shortened draft, another byproduct of all the nonsense here. But if you, if you didn't hear or you don't know too much about it, the first-round pick with a straight face is a guy named Nick York, 17 years old. Yeah, start spreading the news. Well, when he comes up in a big situation, it's up to you, Nick York, Nick York. Nick York, I mean, that's as close to New York as you can get. And the Red Sox have a guy named Jeter that they're pumping up now, too. So up the middle for the Red Sox could be Nick York and, and a guy named Jeter. But this guy, uh, York, polarizing pick, I get it, because it was a, a bit of a reach. High school kid from San Jose, he'll say no to the University of Arizona to sign with the Red Sox. And a lot of people have made the comparison between York and Dustin Pedroia. Talk about the, you know, the Arizona-based college, potentially, offensive-minded second baseman with a chip on his shoulder, a guy that embraces the underdog thing. That's this guy. Second-round pick, there was none because the Red Sox were caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Alex Cora last week talking about, hey, look, this was not a two-man operation. This was not just me and uh, Carlos Beltran. I mean, there, there was more going on than that. He, he didn't specify, but I'm kind of glad Alex Cora spoke up on that. Third-round pick, you got to love the name anyway, Blaze Jordan. Hit a 395-foot home run at Globe Life Park in Arlington when he was 11. He's worked out with Albert Pujols. He was set to go off to Mississippi State. He had a scholarship offer in the eighth grade. I mean, this is kind of a Bryce Harper story here. Uh, regular on the showcase circuit. He's all over YouTube, and uh, he played for the, the amateur program that actually has Mookie Betts as one of its alums. So, interesting guy. I mean, a lot of high-end here. Home run hitting contest winner. Hit a bunch of bombs at Progressive Field when he was 16. Mookie Betts actually hugged him at the end of that. Fourth-round pick, a pitcher by the name of Jeremy Wu Yelland. And this one has kind of a somber undertone. J.J. Altabelli, the Southern California area scout for the Red Sox. And uh, uh, his dad, stepmother, 13-year-old sister, among the nine people killed when Kobe Bryant's helicopter went down in late January. It, it fell to Al Tabelli, who joined the Sox as a scout a couple years ago to represent his family in the wake of the tragedy and, and help care for his 16-year-old sister. But he kept working, did a lot of the in-person scouting of this kid, Jeremy Wu Yelland from the University of Hawaii, actually. That's the fourth-round pick. Fifth-round pick is a pitcher by the name of Shane Drohan out of Florida State, 6'3", 195-pound lefty. Not great numbers, 4.080 RA, matter of fact, but a lot of upside pitch for the Falmouth the Commodores in the Cape League just a year ago. Falmouth with Tino Martinez, Adam Kennedy, Mark Loretta, Darren Erstad, A.J. Pollock, Jacoby Ellsbury among the alums. And good bloodlines here. This kid's dad, Bill Johan, pitched with the Royals, uh, minor leagues anyway, all the way uh, from the mid-'90s until 1990. So there you go. There's a, the five slots that the Red Sox had for a draft. They were only able to use four of them. And uh, at least there is somewhat of a draft to talk about, some baseball to talk about way, way off the field. One more thing before we rev this bad boy up here. I want to get you to our uh, our conversation, our not always easy conversation about the old ED thing. Uh, that's not an easy conversation ever, but uh, sometimes we avoid it. We use excuses to get out of it. But with Roman, a lot easier to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, it's safe, it's totally discreet. 
With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care as well. And they'll get you with free two-day shipping, get you totally taken care of here. It's a straightforward process, simple and discreet, as we mentioned. And to get started, very simply, just go to GetRoman.com slash Socks. Let's not put this off any longer, guys. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Socks. Get the free online visit. You got nothing to lose here. Free two-day shipping as well. GetRoman.com slash Socks. All right, you guys ready for John Heyman? Talk some big-picture baseball stuff. We rolled tape in between his appearances on MLB Network. Here is our special guest today, John Heyman. Well, without any further delay, indeed, MLB Network's John Heyman visiting with us in a very weird time to be talking about uh, anything baseball-related just because life is still so wonky, but we're going to do it here. And saying that their stances have fallen upon deaf ears, uh, the union chief, Tony Clark, put out the statement saying uh, it, it appears that further dialogue is going to be futile. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. John, I can't believe it's come to that. I know there's a, a meeting on Monday. This is going to you and I are talking a little bit before that meeting. So who knows what's coming out of that? But really, this is where we are. Really? Yeah, you, you'd hope they could figure out a compromise. Uh, it's really sad the way things have uh, have uh, come. It uh, doesn't make any sense to me. I wish they would keep negotiating. Uh, it's obvious both sides don't like each other. Uh, the rhetoric is getting uh, pretty ugly. Uh, you know, I, I would still recommend and still hope that they can sit down and try to figure it out. It does appear that there's a decent chance we're heading to uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, implementing a pretty low number of games for a season, whether it be 50 or 54, I'm not sure. I heard it would be in the 50s if he did it. I have not heard that the owners are going to do something different now, that they're ready to now bid again. Uh, they've bid a few times and they're frustrated. Uh, both sides are frustrated. I'm not picking one side or the other, but uh, it's an ugly situation and uh, there's time to do a 70 game season and uh, pay the players uh, 40% or more and figure it out. But it uh, doesn't appear that it's going to happen right now unless somebody, somebody is willing to be the bigger man and say, you know what, uh, I'll compromise more. Let's get this done. Let's do it right. Well, and to me, that's the frustration. It's the lack of an adult in the room here, right? I mean, because to me, rule one of divorce is you protect the kids. And in this analogy, the fans are the kids. So, so parents should never shout angrily across the room at each other. I mean, to me, we have a truly selfish mom and a truly selfish dad here. They're hurting the kids, and nobody seems to care about that. Yeah, I, I think they're hurting each other as well. Uh, a 54-game season or 50, whatever it's going to be, isn't good for anybody. It certainly isn't great for the fans. I know a lot of them will be just thrilled to have baseball back in any way, in any way, shape, or form or length. Uh, but there is time to do a 70-game season. The owners just pr proposed a 72-game uh, season. So um, it's a loss. But it's a loss for the players as well. They seem to be uh, putting some stock in this grievance that they're going to file. And thinking that's going to make up the money, I'm not sure that it is. Uh, they seem to have been fine for a few days now with just having the owners implement this short season and then moving on. And, uh, you know, we're not going to get expanded playoffs because the uh, players have to sign off on that. And uh, if, if the season is implemented at 50 or 54 games, the players are saying they're not going to do that favor to the owners. 
uh, it seems like both sides want to hurt each other more than help yeah. themselves. And the result is uh, n- nobody's helped, including the fans. You're absolutely right, Josh. And I kind of get, John, the owners don't want the playoffs to push into November, which is what the players' earlier scenarios proposed. And, you know, the, there's the, the fact that the experts are saying there might be a second surge of COVID-19 by then when the weather turns cooler. So the postseason at that point goes away. I get that. I, I really, really do. Uh, and also, you're going up against, obviously, the other sports that have returned by then. There's a lot of reasons to get this done uh, in under the wire. But I don't know. The, to me, uh, I think the thing I'm stuck on, and, and I don't mean to get all political, but of all the things that should bring us comfort, uh, you know, there, there's this rickety bridge beneath our feet here. I mean, is the head of it all in the White House on top of the chaos? Oh, wait, no, he's causing the chaos? Oh, okay. Well, how about our day-to-day law and order? We can at least trust law enforcement at every turn. Oh, wait, we can't. Uh, you know, well, at least we're all trying to be loving and understanding towards each other in our own neighborhoods. No, everybody's got a Karen problem now. Nobody's being nice to anyone. So at least we can turn to the national pastime, right? And it turns out, no, we can't. And I think that, to me, is the root of why everybody's so frustrated right now. It's the context of it all. Yeah, I think we were all hoping that uh, baseball would lead us back and give us something to feel good about. And certainly the uh, idea of starting on July 4th, uh, Independence Day, was a fantastic one to begin with, but they they didn't come close to making that happen. Uh, Here we are in the middle of June. Um, They have nothing yet. Uh, Even if they implement uh, a season, uh, the spring training will run through July 4th at this point. So uh, that's not going to happen. So they wasted that opportunity and the opportunity to be the sport. I, I'm just watching a little golf on TV. So there's a little golf. There's no fans there. It's not the same as a team sport, not the same as our national pastime, uh, not the same as a sport representing uh, 30 franchises in nearly that many cities. Um, you know, it, it's really a shame that baseball hasn't been able to get its act together. I, I'm, maybe I'm crazy. I'm still holding out a little hope that someone's going to be the big man here and say, you know what, I give. Uh, let's look at the big picture. Uh, I'm going to forfeit some money, not worry about it, and uh, let's get this season rolling uh, on a reasonable number of games. I'm so with you, John. And, and this argument that's been proffered by both sides, that, well, look, nothing happens in a vacuum. You know, if we show uh, strength now, we, ha- we have to do that because, you know, weakness will be used against us in the CBA talks in 2021. So please understand nothing happens in a vacuum. I call BS on that. I think this is exactly what this is. It's a vacuum. This is so off to the side of anything we could have imagined. This is the vacuum, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, man, that was the player's original argument against the revenue sharing, that uh, the, the owners were going to keep that going forever. But I think we're in a pandemic here. You could have made a deal uh, with the revenue sharing. And I'm not saying they had to do it. If they were opposed on principle, uh, that's fine. But the belief that it would carry on forever – I don't think that is the case. Um, so we got past the revenue sharing. The owners have tried a few things. I know that their their offers have been made fun of on the uh, internet, and they have been rather incremental. They haven't been the same. They have they have been better. Each each one has been a little bit better uh, for the players, and it's gone slowly. But at least they are working a little bit. But I, I would say at this point, uh, not to take sides here, but. Uh, the owners are the billionaires. I hate to go lean on the cliche, and the players are the millionaires. They're not, they're not all millionaires because uh, we've seen some of the numbers that have come out, and 65% of the players make a million or less in a year, and their careers are not that uh, long. So 
not all of them are super wealthy. Some of them obviously are the ones we know about, the stars, they clearly are. But in this situation, I, I think the owners would look great. Uh, they're the ones who own the franchises. They're the ones who will be with baseball as long as they want, uh, assuming that their career, their teams don't go bankrupt and we haven't had one go bankrupt yet. So uh, I think they need to be the big ones here and come in with a great offer. I understand they didn't believe that in the March 26th agreement that uh, prorated was in concrete, prorated paid for the players, but I, I do believe at this point the owners need to make that offer of prorated pay for the players for more than the 50 games or the 54 games. We have time for more. Let's do it for more. Let's get an agreement and let's get the expanded playoffs. I, I know it's going to cost the owners a little money. If you take, you take their numbers, losing $640,000 a game when there are no fans and just taking them at face value, and I know there's a lot of skepticism, uh, if the owners bumped it up from 54 games to 70 games, that's 16 more games. That's 320000 a game per team. Uh, it's still 5 or $6 million. That's all it would cost each franchise to bump it up to 70 games and give us all something that we can feel good about. Just $6 million of franchise. Now, I've told them that. They don't really disagree with me. They say it's not even across the board. Some teams would be more than $6 million. Uh, and it wouldn't be fair to those teams. Uh, but $6 million, you know, it's not my money. I'm not a billionaire. To me, that's a drop in the bucket for what those owners can do for baseball. And let's face it, they've won the last few negotiations. They've won, made a lot of money. The players' salaries have gone down two years in a row, which hadn't happened in decades. Uh, the owners uh, have, have made a lot of money. The franchise values are way up. Not talking about the Marlins, but the other ones, way up. And I, I think at this point, it would be nice to see them and, you know, I get their position. They feel they are right. And I, I've read the agreement. Maybe they are right. Uh, but I think this is time for the Major League Baseball owners to say, you know what? We're going to suck it up. We're going to take a loss, even a big loss here. We want to do something right for the sport and uh, really just have a long view of things. Yeah, the difference between being right and doing the right thing, I think, comes into a very sharp focus right now. And you bring up so many great points, John. I mean, all of this tone deafness, if we weren't, in a pandemic and warrant in these deep necessary discussions regarding how black lives matter uh, you know baseball should be the comfort food we're nibbling on as we attack the real issues instead baseball has become one of the issues and i think that's what's so annoying right now you, going back to to the owners and their side so to speak you know I, I look at for example the cardinals guy bill dewitt jr you know right i mean he goes on a st louis radio station and kind of casually says, well, you know, baseball really isn't very profitable, to be quite honest. And you got to just, like, throw a huge red flag in the air on that, right? I mean, the guy bought the team for $150 million. It's now worth $2.2 billion. And this is the same Bill DeWitt whose family, uh, you know, just bought a big house out in California. It's not the right time maybe to be making these arguments. He's got a huge return on his original investment. And by the way, here comes Turner Broadcasting System, they spend a billion dollars for one out of seven postseason series. It's not like they got every postseason series. They just bought one of them for a billion dollars. So how are we to take Bill DeWitt seriously when he when he plays his violin like that? <laughs> yes, and the house that you referenced, that was uh, Eva Longoria's house in the Hollywood Hills, a very nice house. But of course, we shouldn't be shocked that a guy who's 
got a team worth $2 billion can afford a nine or $10 million home. Yeah, he's entitled to buy a nice house for sure. But yeah, I don't think he's taking out a mortgage. I think, you know, uh, I think he could probably put the money down and pay for it. Uh, and you referenced the 150 million that he paid for that team. He uh, almost immediately, he's just a brilliant businessman, went and sold the parking structure for 75 million, half the money he recouped yeah. right away. So he basically paid 75 million for that team. So going wow. by that, He's up more than 20-fold with that team. I think what he meant, and Bill DeWitt's a lovely man. I know him pretty well. A very nice guy. What he meant is that the profit margin is not very good in baseball year to year. But that's not going to work publicly. Uh, the way things are going in this country, uh, even if things were going better in this country, uh, that's not going to work. If you've, made, if you've bought a, uh, an entity for $150 million, it's worth $2, two billion, uh, you know, you're a very wealthy man. And... Uh, you know, that's, that's just the facts. Um, you know, in terms of the Turner deal, uh, you know, that timing was bad for baseball. I, I assume somebody from Turner leaked that, not somebody from baseball. Uh, and it just looks very bad. Uh, not that we didn't think baseball was going to be live and well after this year and doesn't affect this year, but uh, it just feels like all the public relations uh, things have lined up in favor of the players uh, recently. I, I will see if they may have overplayed their hand they're putting a big, uh, big stock in the grievance that they'll be able to have. They seem to be anxious to go let go and play, and whether it's 50 or 54 games, uh, for me, I'd rather if I'm them. I and I know at least one player voted to counter. It wasn't quite unanimous, close to unanimous, but I, I believe one player voted. Let's keep uh, negotiating. Uh, he was clearly outvoted mm. something to one. Uh, but I, I do think it would have made sense to keep going, to try to come up with a deal that makes sense. Uh, the owners are in a corner. They're not in a good negotiating position. It just feels like, uh, you know, at this point, the, the players just went uh, really, really strong when they didn't really probably need to, and they probably upset the owners even more. And they may get what they wish for, which is 50-something games and the grievance. It'd be better for them if they were able to move it up to 70 games even if they're getting 90% or 95% of their pay and have the expanded playoffs and uh, have a deal and everybody have a good feeling about Major League Baseball. I, I think that would be a win-win. And instead, uh, you know, the players are going for broke here. It potentially could be a lose-lose situation. Uh, it's not a good thing if we only have a 50 or 54 game season. We don't have expanded playoffs. And then we have that grievance to look forward to. Uh, better if they had continued to negotiate they had the upper hand i think they have the owners in a in a rare bad spot for a change and they could have gotten a great deal whether that be 70 games at 95 percent plus the expanded playoffs or even 65 at 100 percent uh they just think that this grievance is going to show something great for them that they're going to open the books and they're going to learn something great about the owners We'll see. Um, you know, I, I think it's a gamble on the players' part. One more before I eagerly finish our time together with something else here, John, because I know okay. we're all just numb to this now. But feet to the fire, had the players said 95%, 90%, instead of this line in the sand at 100% from back on March 26th, will we have something done by now? Done. The whole thing has been about the March 26th agreement and the fact that the players have said that it guaranteed prorated pay uh, for any number of games. And the owners say that uh, it needed to be economically feasible and there needed to be fans in the stands. So the uh, owners said it needed to be predicated on the fans in the stands. 
The players didn't see it that way. They never got past that issue. I think the owners would have taken that as something of an olive branch, even 95%, certainly 90%. I know that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the, the players are standing on principle and, you know, they may get burned. Uh, you know, they, they, I think they're trying to make up for some deals that didn't go their way perfectly in the last few years. But uh, they got a good deal March 26th. They got $170 million up front. They got their service time. Um, you know, uh, it seems like the owners were willing to work with them for a while. They certainly worked slowly. Uh, I can't say that they've done a great job. They, I, I do think they need to uh, make sure that baseball comes back the way it can come back. So I'm not taking the owner's side, but uh, feels like the players may have gambled here. So let me, if you don't mind, John, in the little time we have left, to me, there are issues that are so bigger, so much bigger than, than baseball right now. We almost forget about COVID-19, which is crazy because we're all immersed now uh, in a very important matter, which is basically Black Lives Matter. And as it pertains to the Red Sox specifically, I like the fact that Sam Kennedy came out and the Red Sox came out with a statement basically saying we need to be better. You know, we, we did hear of racist incidents at Fenway Park and we didn't shine a light on them. In fact, we buried them and that was wrong of us. I like that players like the Mets' Dominic Smith, you tweeted out, retweeted just the other day. He had a, a brilliant social media post about how silence kills. So out of the rubble of all of this, uh, the, the, you know, some horrible things are happening out there and, and, and cultural change is so desperately needed. The fact that we're now identifying players who have a voice and a very strong voice, the, the fact that organizations like the Red Sox are now saying, here, here's what we can do and here's what we need to do. That's some good stuff that's come out of this, isn't it? Absolutely. The Red Sox, Sam Kennedy, certainly, and it's so best friend Theo Epstein with the Cubs, uh, their uh, baseball president, has come out and said, you know what, when I've made hires, I've uh, invariably hired people who look like me and have my background, and I, I need to really reevaluate that and, and do better. And I, I think that uh, Theo Epstein has done a terrific job with it. Uh, Sam Kennedy, as you mentioned, and, and many of the players. And, uh, you know, baseball, not as bad as football. I'm sorry, I have to take my shot at football. That poor Colin Kaepernick, who was uh, blackballed out of the league, uh, they really have something to apologize for. Still haven't done it. So that's my two cents on that. But baseball, I'm glad to see baseball uh, is doing and saying the right things in this regard now. But unfortunately, it's all overshadowed by the negotiation that, as we've gone over, has gone nowhere to this point. And I don't want to end on COVID-19 because that's a horrible place to end a podcast about anything right now. But it's kind of, you know, in relation to baseball and sports in general, John, it's tough not to eat your heart out again. I'm trying not to be political here, but New Zealand, 20,000 fans in a 20,000 seat stadium for rugby this weekend. They did the whole short term pain of total lockdowns right at the choke point way back in February or early March so that everyone could have a normal life again in June or July. And I was saying on the podcast to somebody just a week ago, you know, we look back at, at our mid-March when we were all getting acquainted with this thing, COVID-19, and Angel Hernandez, our favorite umpire, leaves the field and kind of snickers and says, I'll see you in June, boys. And he wasn't even right. I mean, it's going to be July or August. You know, so we didn't, we didn't know anything about what we should have been doing back then. It, it, it kind of, 
I don't know about you, it's a painful thing as an American to watch New Zealand come back strong with sports this weekend. New Zealand and uh, Vietnam, uh, Thailand, uh, you know, uh, Taiwan. Uh, there are countries all over the globe that have either no cases or next to no cases. And here we are, you know, we're talking about sports. We have over 115,000 deaths. That is the real tragedy of it. But you can certainly see the contrast in sports when you look at, I saw a Vietnam soccer match where people are wall to wall, that tens of thousands of people right on top of each other uh, in Vietnam. And here we are talking about having no fans and not really even knowing when we'll be able to have some. I hear some talk that, you know, before the end of the year, but I, I don't think there's any guarantee of that. Uh, the numbers are moving back up again uh, in my Florida, uh, in California to some degree, Arizona, uh, Texas, uh, a lot of the places where uh, it's hot and people said that the heat was going to help solve this issue. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, with, with all of the brilliant scientists we have, uh, it's a little bit surprising uh, that our response uh, has not been as great as so many other uh, countries, smaller countries uh, with less resources and fewer great scientists. It's, it's, it's really sad. Uh, the main issue is the health though, the 100,000 plus deaths and the 2 million cases. Um, it's just a very, very sad thing. So when I mean, sports is on the back burner compared to that, but it's another, uh, another negative uh, that's occurring in this country. Let me end with you, John, if you don't mind. I'm grasping at straws for a positive. I feel like this is a downer podcast of all time, but right. So, no, no. Well, you know, it's not us. It's not. It's that. No, no, no. But you know, and again, we're 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 looking for rays of sunshine where we can. I mean, out of all the you know the George Floyd stuff that really should have our attention, we we find. Uh, you know, people that are able to change their own minds and hopefully other people's minds. And uh, I mean, so what we're again, we're, I call it looking for the shiny stuff in the rubble, right? I mean, somewhere in there is something of, of value. So I, I'm going to put that to you in a baseball sense. What are you looking forward to? What comes out of this rubble? If it is a 50 game season, is it the fact that maybe the players will be mic'd up just because they think it's cool? Uh, I mean, there's going to be the universal DH comes in now. I mean, well, we've got a chance to experiment with some things, kind of like how we've all learned that we really can work at home if we need to. You got to invest in Zoom, but okay, you know, we figured out how to do it. So what excites you uh, about what's ahead of us here, assuming we play ball? Well, first of all, I will say that baseball fans are very resilient, even though they've been knocked on the head here and uh, the ones who are following it even more. Uh, they're going to come back and uh, and be fans again and love the game. There's a lot of great players in the game, a lot of great action. And it's going to be interesting to see how things change with the universal DH, with pitchers not going, forget about the nine innings, I mean, uh, even seven innings. And it's going to be interesting to see which teams really have the depth uh, to, to uh, cure this, to have a great season. Uh, I mean, you suspect it might be the Dodgers and some other teams like that, the Nats, the a defending champion, but uh, we don't know. We, we're not sure how this is going to play out. There's going to be a lot of strategy involved, a lot of intrigue, and, uh, you know, I think having depth and a, and a great manager who can figure it out uh, is really going to play big, and we're going to see potentially if the season's 50 games or 54. Uh, let's not forget the Nats were 19-31 last year, ended up being the champions. Uh, it's pretty unpredictable who's going to be the champions. I'm not going to predict that the uh, the Marlins or the Pirates are going to be champions, but uh, 
you know, it's going to open things up uh, for teams that, uh, you know, maybe have a little bit of spark to them, like the Reds, the Angels, uh, some other teams. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, it's going to uh, – it's still going to be uh, at least two playoff rounds. We're hoping for they'll be able to negotiate a third. So, uh, I I don't think we're going to have a a team uh, that's not worthy winning. We've already had a team win 83 games and win the World Series in 2006. So, uh, I don't think that'll happen. Some people look at the season funny, but you know what? Uh, 1981, they played fewer than 162 games, and nobody looks at the Dodgers as anything less than a champion. So I, I think the fans are resilient, and we're all going to bounce back, and uh, I think that's what the owners and the, play- the players uh, are counting on, and uh, they-, they probably will be right until that grievance hits, and we have to hear about the grievance. Of course, that's right. not- I, I, I promised. I promised we'd end on an upbeat note. I'm sorry, but, your word grievance shouldn't be the final <laughs> No, you you brought some happy dazzle to the whole proceedings before that, so I appreciate <laughs> that. That's the way to end a podcast number two fifty nine of Red Sox beat. Thanks again to John Heyman. This is Josh Lewin. We'll talk to you again soon, and hopefully, we know what the hell is going.